Well, thank you, Ben, for getting us going and getting us started. It's great to see you this morning, and uh, great to have you here on this beautiful, uh, almost, I mean, late fall morning anyway. Uh, my wife is in western New York right now, and they had snow the, over the last couple of days. And, uh, and it was coming down again this morning. I said, please don't get stuck there. Uh, come home at some point, please. That would be great. Well, it's great to have you here. Do you ever have problems with forgetfulness? Kind of feel like this guy that you're looking at right here, scratching his head, wondering, what was it that I was supposed to do? Maybe you're like this guy. Notes all over your head, but still wondering what in the world I'm supposed to do. Forgetfulness. It's something that uh, we all struggle with in our lives. And there are probably many things in my life that I've forgotten. I'm sure that's true for you as well. And I would tell you about them, but then I just don't remember them. Maybe you're like that today. I don't know. Uh, I could probably tell you what I had for dinner last night, but last week's menu, it's gone. I can't remember any of that. And have you ever gotten up from a chair and to get something from the kitchen, and when you get there, you can't remember what it is that you wanted to get? sure we've all had that issue. Maybe you're even kind of like Dory here in this little clip. Watch this. something that I don't do very often, but I love sitting with my grandchildren and uh, watching these videos, and here we are, we're sitting there, and I'm watching this, and suddenly I'm laughing, and my grandkids look at me and say, Grandpa, why are you laughing? I love these videos from the standpoint that they have such great humor in them for us as adults, right? Look forward to them. Maybe you've done this. I changed my password to incorrect so that every time I forget what it is, the computer tells me my password is incorrect. Maybe you have a problem with that. How about this next one? Have you gotten to the point in your life where you say, if it isn't written down, it doesn't exist? The only problem is I have to remember where I put the piece of paper that I wrote it on, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're like this next one. I've reached the age where my train of thought leaves the station without me. We have a problem with forgetfulness, right? 
A German philosopher said this, the advantage of bad memory is that one enjoys several times the same good things for the first time. <laughs> so maybe we have this problem. We have some problems with memory and forgetting things. And as we get older, things three things begin to happen. The first thing is your memory goes. And you know what? I can't for the life of me remember what the other two were. <laughs> maybe you're there today. We all forget things, don't we? And we can become very forgetful in our lives. But how could we ever forget our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all that he's done for us? That's why we're here this morning. So as we come to the communion table this morning, this is a very precious time for us as believers. Uh, I want to remind us again of a very familiar passage that uh, helps us to understand why we're here this morning. And we find these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that are there for you. Let me read them for you. For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' very words to his disciples, I think, could imply that it would be possible for them and for us to forget. Do this in remembrance of me. Is it possible to forget Jesus? <laughs> Is it possible not to remember? Is it possible for those of us who follow Christ and who live a Christian life to actually forget our Savior at times? Can we forget his birth? Born of a virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can we forget this? Can we forget his baptism when a voice from heaven spoke saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can we forget him in the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, hungry, stomach completely empty? Who can forget the miracles he performed, turning water into wine? Can you imagine that? Remember him giving sight to the blind, healing those with leprosy making the deaf hear again, walking on water, taking a small boy's packed lunch and turning it into a feast for thousands of people and yet having lots of leftover. The life he lived, he lived for you. Remember? Can we forget his death? Can you picture a garden in the darkness of the night? Four people, three sleeping, one praying. It's a shady garden full of olive trees. His friends would soon abandon him. His enemies would soon grab him. His life was nearing an end. The hours were ticking away. Tragedy was just a few hours away. What began in a wooden manger would end on a wooden cross. Every detail was recorded for us. And remember, he shouted, it is finished. It's over. It is done. Jesus' body hangs limp on a cross. 
The hands and the feet were pierced. The blood from wounds is dry on his lifeless body. They take him down to bury him. The scorching sun is gone, and it seemed like all that remained was darkness. Can we forget his sacrifice? It seems almost impossible that those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus would actually ever forget this sacrifice. That those who have been loved with an everlasting love by the eternal Son of God could ever forget the Son of God. Can we forget the one who never forgot us? Can we forget who poured out his life for our sins? Can we forget the one who loved us so much that he sacrificed himself for us? Can we forget his triumph? Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Jesus made complete atonement. Jesus died for our sin. Jesus took our sin to the cross and hung it there so that we will not suffer it. Jesus was washed, has washed away our sin. He has made us clean as fresh fallen snow. And he rose from the grave. Remember? And even now he's alive. Where things looked hopeless, God stepped in and did something about it. Where we should die for our sin, God stepped in and gave us his son. Can we forget him? And do we remember? Friends, we forget Christ because there are so many things that try to distract us and so many things that try to attract our attention towards other things. And so we come together this morning to remember. We remember his life. We remember his death. We remember his sacrifice for us. We remember his resurrection. How? Could we ever forget his love? As we continue this morning, I want to use an Old Testament passage to help us to be reminded of all that we have in Christ. It's a very familiar passage to us. And uh, so let's read it together. Isaiah 53 this morning. Read with me, all right? Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, 
For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had not done violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. Well, as we come to the communion bread this morning, I just want us to be able to take these moments to do two things. Number one, if you are here this morning and what I've been saying so far is foreign to you, you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior from your sin. We want you to just allow the plate to go by this morning because the elements that we're about to be a part of and partake of will mean nothing to you because they're representative of the blood, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was given for us for the remission of our sins and for our salvation. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, we invite you to him. We invite you to know him to know eternal life and, and to accept him as your Savior through faith, to recognize your own need and your own sin and that there is a Savior that can save you from that. But if you're here this morning and you know the Lord, we have reason to rejoice, don't we? When we think of all that he's done for us. But sometimes we forget some things. Sometimes relationships with other people or our relationship or walk with God is not where it really needs to be. And so this gives us an opportunity just to examine ourselves and to think and to pray, ask God for forgiveness, to bring reconciliation where that needs to happen. And so as we partake of the bread and as the men stand, I'm going to ask Scott Cleveland if he will return a word of thanks uh, for the bread. God, as we think about your will in providing for us forgiveness to restore our relationship, our broken relationship with you. We think about Christ's willingness to, to leave heaven, to be born and to have an earthly body that he lived on this life. Lord, we praise you and we praise him that he lived his life with no sin so that he could become sin for us. And that body, as it grew and developed, was ultimately used to provide the sacrifice for our sins. And as we look to your word, the body was pierced for our transgression. The body was ripped. The body was broken for us. Lord, as we think about what Christ went through, the agony and the pain, and the sacrifice that he gave for our sins, for my sins, our sins as brothers and sisters here today. He did that because you loved us. Help us to remember. Help us to know that all of our sins are forgiven at the cross. 
no matter what we do, we cannot make up for those sins, but it's only by Jesus' sacrifice on Jesus on the cross. And so we thank you for his willingness to go, to submit to your will, so that he could pay for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, help us to rejoice and to remember. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he given thanks, he said, take this and eat it and do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat it together. Powerful words. As we think of the cross this morning, we remember that it stands for all that was accomplished through the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, God's only Son. In recent days, John Amos and I are reading through a book together called Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin. And we're not selling books this morning, but I would highly recommend this to anybody to read. It will revolutionize your thoughts on worship but uh, I want to just reflect some of the things that we just recently read in one of the chapters that pertain uh, to the cross. The cross helps us to bring focus on his death and as our substitute on Calvary. But it also gives meaning to all that was completed by that act. The fact that he was the eternal God, his incarnation, his perfect life of obedience, his suffering, his resurrection, his ascension, his present intercession for us in heaven, and his eventual and promised return for us is all evidence of the power of this eternal act of love. It is his atoning sacrifice for our sin that the writers of the New Testament give focus to and are great reminders for us of its significance. And here are a few of those. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's read this together. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And then finally in 1 John, let's read this together. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world 
that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Wow. Powerful passages of scripture. John Owen, a Puritan theologian, said this, In Christ we behold the wisdom, goodness, love, grace, mercy, and power of God, all working together for the great work of our redemption and salvation. The wisdom and love of God are in themselves infinitely glorious, but we cannot see how glorious they are except in the redemption and salvation of the church, which is achieved only in and by Christ. What a great reminder, folks. So in the cross, we're reminded that we see the justice of God requiring a perfect payment for sins committed against a perfect God. We see the mercy of God providing a substitute for those who would have been condemned. That's you and me. We see the wisdom of God in providing a glorious solution to an impossible dilemma. There was nothing that we could do to gain this, and yet God stepped in. So while it's true that God's love motivated him to send his son to die in my place, the cross ultimately points out not to the greatness of our worth, but to the greatness of our sin. We often forget this, that Christ uh, went to a messy, cruel death for a very messy people, you and me. Folks were messy. We were messy. We were lost. We were separated from God. And he stepped in and did what we could not. Our sin separated us from him. And we need the very thing that is represented in what we're doing this morning here. The body and blood of our Savior. Frederick Lace warns us, uh, again, another theologian from the UK. He says this. There's an error to avoid that the danger of seeing the loving obedience of Christ is primarily and exclusively for the sake of man, when in fact it was primarily out of love for God that he accepted the cross. But this is a truth too often overlooked, and it in no way detracts from the wonder that Christ loves each one of his people with all of his love. I hope you remember today why Christ went to the cross for you. He loved his Father, and he was obedient to his Father, and he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. So as we come to this other element, the cup, it's representative of the, of the blood of Christ poured out for us for the remission of our sins. So as the men come... After supper, likewise, he took the cup and said to them, This is the new covenant in my blood given for the remission of your sins. So when we drink this, let's not forget. Let's do this in remembrance of our Savior. We're going to sing one other song together, and usually at this time in our communion service, we take the opportunity to think outside of ourselves. 
And we take a deacon's offering. A deacon's fund offering is used for those that are in need, both amongst us here and our family, as well as opportunity to reach people in our community. We've done some of that, and we're so grateful for your giving for this. And uh, it's just wonderful to be able to do this when we think of all that we have in Christ, how we can help one another. And uh, that's what this is all about. So let me pray, and we'll sing, and we'll take this offering. All right, Lord, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for the cross and its power. Thank you that we can stand forgiven at the cross. Thank you for the reminder of all that you've done for us today. And I pray that we will not soon forget this when we walk away from this place today. Thank you for the opportunity now to give to those that are in need. And we're grateful for this opportunity. Bless the gift and giver even those that are not able to give, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name.